I kind of got inspired to do this sermon by a sports Twitter account. Now, uh, I don't spend a ton of time on Twitter. Most of it's just bad news and people being mean to each other. But I do follow some sports things uh, because you get the news quickly that way. And one of the radio stations down in Philly that I listen to and that I follow on Twitter, every Friday for the past four or five weeks has put out the same Twitter poll. Are you still getting along with your significant other? Of course, meaning we're spending a lot more time together now than we were uh, a month ago. And so the question being, are you still? And I vote on it every time, and uh, just so that my girlfriend who is sitting here in the audience, the three people sitting in the audience today, um, yes, I vote yes on it every time, still getting along with mine, significant other. But each week, and this is the point of the poll, each week the percentage of people that vote yes goes down, and the percentage of people that are voting no is going up. And so I said to myself, man, that's sad. You know, why would you marry somebody that you can't get along with? And obviously, you're going to have fights and spats and disagreements and stuff like that. I'm not telling you that in a healthy marriage, you're going to agree on everything 100% of the time. Healthy marriages are the marriages and such that can deal with those disagreements in a godly and right way. But I was also talking then to one of my friends, and we agreed that whenever this is done, be it June, July, August, or in the fall, you're going to see the divorce rate skyrocket. Because people are going to go, well, I can't live with this person anymore. And I said to myself, no, I'm not going to talk about divorce and marriage today. But I said, man, maybe we should talk a little bit about how we should be living and treating each other all the time. But perhaps it's just a little bit more important now as we're seeing the same people just a little bit more than we were before. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. And I want to say that these verses and what we're going to talk about, they apply daily, every day, whether there's a uh, global health pandemic going on or not. But maybe as we have been living with each other in close quarters for four or five weeks, we need to take extra care and extra caution to make sure that we're fulfilling and doing these things to live correctly. So we're in Romans 12, verses 14 through 21. Uh, again, I read out of the uh, NASB, but whatever you have there with you uh, is fine. That works. Uh, so if you want to read along with me, we're in Romans 12, verses 14 through 21. It reads, Bless those who persecute, who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing... You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there's a lot of stuff in there. And, um, you know, we're not going to talk as much about the revenge part because hopefully you're not out there going, how can I get revenge on the people that I'm living with? If you are, we have to have a different conversation. You're a few steps before this that we've got a candle first. But there is a lot of stuff in here that talks about how should we be living and treating people around us. 
And while, as I said earlier, I'm painting this in the idea of we're all living together, these things apply 24-7. I want to start out with this. This isn't in this scripture. You're not going to find it in the Bible. It's just a fact of life. It's hard to live in close quarters with other people. That's just the nature of it. No matter how much you love somebody, they're going to get on your nerves. We're humans. Maddie and I have been talking a lot about that because I said that one day, the things you find cute about me now, if and when we get married, you will not find cute anymore. Her response to me was, oh, they're not cute anymore now. So I'm already starting behind the eight ball, apparently. But it's hard to live in close quarters because we, we get on each other's nerves. We like different things. We have different schedules and all that stuff. And so, I mean... I love some of my roommates in college. I love all of the roommates I ever had in college. But there were days they got on my nerves, and I was going, man. I've told him this story multiple times so I can tell you guys, and I feel safe. My, my best friend now, Drucker, we, we had very different sleep schedules. I'm a night owl. He's an early bird. So when he asked me to be roommates, I said, fine, but I have one rule. I will not keep you awake at night when I stay up till midnight and you go to bed at 10. You don't wake me up at 6 when I roll out of bed at 7.50 for my 8 a.m. class. And he goes, okay, sounds good to me. And there was not a single day that we roomed together that he did not wake me up at 6 when he would wake up. He wasn't trying to. He was doing the best that he could. But my friend Drucker is a loud person naturally, like me. And he had this lamp that sat on his desk that when he turned it on, it would just shine straight into my face. I'd roll over and go back to bed, and I told him about it afterward, and we laugh about it and stuff, but that was something that, you know, it did get on my nerves, something little like that. So I want to admit to you guys and say, yes, I understand it's hard to live in close quarters with people, especially for long stretches of time, and now you don't really get a release because you've got to go home and, you've, and, and stuff like that. So I understand. That doesn't change what we're about to talk about, though. So... The reason being, though, for that is that we're called to live above this idea of it's hard to live in close quarters, because you're called to be Christ-like, which means being kind to the people around you. So we're going to look at a few of these things. First off, in verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Now, I hope that your significant other, your children, your roommate are not persecuting you. Maybe sometimes it feels like persecution when they eat the last, you know, I don't know, the last hamburger out of the fridge or the last slice of pizza, and you're going, well, I was saving that for me. It might feel like persecution. It's not. But they are going to get on your nerves, so you know what? Bless them. Shower blessings on the people that you're living with right now. Go out of your way to bless them and to bless the people. Maybe you live in an apartment-type building. Bless the people around you. And you might go, Pastor, we're not supposed to be talking to people and being close to people. I understand that. You can do other things like leave a bag outside their door that's got some groceries in it or, or something like that. Maybe you know the person down the walkway, down the, down the, uh, the hallway there, really loves those, you know, those Werther's caramel candy things. They're revolting. But people love them. My aunt, who's sitting in the back just there, just gave me this look. Apparently, she's one of those people that loves those things. But either way, you know, that's just an, ex an example. But maybe, you know, they love them, so leave a little bag for them. Bless the people around you right now because you know what? They're in the same situation that you are. 
and they might need that blessing because they want to bang their head off the wall. And maybe it's your fault they want to bang their head off the wall. So bless the people around you. Don't get mad at them. Don't curse them because they did something stupid or because they did something that ticks you off. Yeah, we're in close quarters, but bless them anyway. The other thing you need to do, and this is verse 15, rejoice with people and weep with people. This is true of all times, but you're living in a time where there's just bad news every single day. Even as we see in this country, and we do see it, the number of coronavirus uh, 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 oh, confirmations going down. Each, each day it's going down. But you're also seeing deaths go up some. That'll change as time goes on here in the next couple of weeks, but it's still hard. And that's the thing the media is focusing on. They don't focus on the fact that hundreds of thousands of people across this nation and this world have gone home and are not gone home to heaven. I mean, gone home like they're better now. They're not in their hospitals anymore. They got better from this sickness. They don't focus on that. They're focusing on the bad stuff. So when it's time to rejoice with people, rejoice all the more with them. Rejoice in the little things with them because we need it right now. One of the things uh, John Krasinski, most famous for being on The Office, he's put out three episodes of The Good News and all it is is just the good stuff that's going on around the nation and some around the world right now. It's great. It's the type of stuff that we need. Rejoice with people but also weep with them. Because there is some bad stuff going on. And maybe, maybe I am thankful that I don't know anybody that's been personally affected by this virus. But maybe you do. And I want to tell you that if you do, I pray for those people daily, even if I don't know them by name. And my heart goes out to you if you've lost somebody or if they're battling this. I do know some people who, I mean, I haven't known them in years, but I just saw on Facebook that both of them got the virus. They live down south of here. We're praying for them. Rejoice when it's time to rejoice with people and find those little things to rejoice about and weep with the people that need it. We're a community, a body of believers together. So make sure that you're feeling that with them and supporting that with them. Now here's the thing. Now this, you know, I'm going to skip a little bit here down to verse 18 because this is the crux. This is the big thing. Verse 18 reads, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, back when this was written, everything was written masculinely. So women, this applies to you too. You don't get out of it just because it doesn't say men and women. Sorry, you don't get to not live at peace with people. This verse has been a thorn in my side for most of my life. I'm a fighter. Most of the brushes are. We like to be in conflict. We like to fight. We like to, uh, we like to be in the midst of a battle of some kind, be it small or great. And as a pastor especially, my job is not to be at war with people. My job is to be a peacemaker. It's never been something that I've been exceptionally good at because I have a lot of practice being at war not a lot of practice making peace. And this verse goes against my innate nature because this verse says, listen, if it's up to you, be at peace with people. And I want to go, if it was up to me, I'd be at war with everybody in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's not up to you. But here's the thing. This is what I was told as I was a kid, and it applies now. 
takes two people to have a fight. If, that per if you don't want to fight, it doesn't matter what that other person does. They can yell and scream or do whatever. doesn't matter. There's no fight going on. If at all possible, when it's up to you, you live at peace with all men, with your friends and with your enemies. So how does that apply to us here in quarantine, right? Well, you're spending a lot more time with the people around you, which means they're getting on your nerves. So you better live at peace with them anyway. Take the moment, take a deep breath. The amount of times as a kid and a teenager, an adult, that my dad has looked at me and said, breathe, take a breath. Because when we take a breath, it just kind of innately calms us down a little bit. It lets our mind, even if it's for a split second, our mind recenters just a little bit. Take a moment and breathe because it's, at, it's, it's your job to live at peace. Now you might say, Pastor, but this other person is doing X, Y, and Z. My husband, my wife, my kids, they're all on my nerves. Be above it. You're called to be above it. So am I. Over the past four or five years, there have been multiple times when I've been sitting in my bedroom when I was living at my parents' house or gone up to their house and I'm, I'm, I'm having a cow and I go, and I know I'm supposed to be above it, but I really just don't want to. Why is it my job? Why do I always have to be the bigger person? And the answer is always, Jesus told you to, so be the bigger person. Yeah, but they're a Christian too. Good, be the bigger person. Shouldn't they be the bigger person? But they're the ones that wronged me. Be the bigger person. What's it really matter in the long run? I'd like to say I'm successful every time. I'm not. I'm more so than I was. My favorite conversations I have now, my uncle is one of my accountability partners. He's been a pastor for years. And there are so many times when I call him and he goes, hey, Sam, what's up? And I go, Uncle Jerry, I just need to say something. I know what the answer is. I know what I need to do. But I have to say what's on my mind. And he goes, yep, go ahead. And for four minutes, I just spew something out. And he goes, you feel better? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you're going to do the right thing? And I went, yeah. And he goes, good. Anything else going on? Because he gets it. And I'm sure you do as well. You got to be at peace with people. And you're called to be above it. So am I. So I don't care what the other person has done to you how big or how small. I don't care if it's your closest friend or your greatest uh, enemy. I don't care if they're a Christian, non-Christian, husband, wife, coworker, child, cousin. I don't care. Be the bigger person because the Bible tells you to. It's the harder road to walk, no doubt about it. But be the bigger person. It stems from this thing of forgiveness, right? This verse, these verses don't talk a ton about forgiveness. But this whole verse, that one verse there, verse 18, it's just about forgiveness. I'll tell you, and I've, and I've talked about this on other Sunday mornings, but uh, I'll say it again. The, the hardest thing for me to ever forgive was my biological mother. Being the bigger person in my relationship with her is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. I succeed sometimes. Sometimes I don't. But we're working towards it. And you might go, well, pastor, do you have problems with your siblings and stuff? Sometimes. Sometimes I have trouble with my parents. Sometimes I have trouble with my best friends. I'll let you in on a secret. Sometimes I have trouble with the love of my life. And we'll be doing something, and I just, 
and it's good, and we do it, and it's fine. And I'm sure she does the same to me way more often than I do it for her, let's be honest. I'm a hard person to live. My grandma just said it's true. Great. But you got to live at peace with everybody around you, and it is up to you. Yes, you can't choose what somebody else does, but you also can't use what somebody else does as an excuse for you to not live at peace. We've dwelt on that for a while, so we'll move on and we'll wrap up here in a few minutes. Paul continues on. Of course, this is Paul who writes Romans, and he continues on then, and he goes, listen, don't take up revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's from Deuteronomy 32, 35. But the part that I really want to focus on there is in the next verse, verse 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. And this comes out of Proverbs 25, 22. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on their head. Pastor, what does that mean? When somebody's mean to you and you're kind in return, it's one of the greatest things you can do for them for a few reasons. One, and the greatest one is, it shows Christ to them. I was just talking to, uh, to Maddie about this the other day, that Christ, you know, as he's being accused and stuff, he stands there silently. He doesn't retaliate. He doesn't do anything. And that goes to who Christ was. It goes to his personality and stuff as well as he knows what he has to do. And in so doing, when we do the same, we show who Christ is to people around us. When somebody's berating you or being rude to you or, or uh, you know, bad-mouthing you and whatever, being disrespectful, when you show Christ in return, either by saying a kind word or by doing nothing, you're showing Christ. The other reason Paul gives here, though, is because it heaps burning coals on their head. Now, when I was a kid and I heard this verse, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be nice to people so that it hurts them. That feeds into that fighter side of me because then I'm still, I'm still getting a little revenge on them because look at them. I'm heaping burning coals on their head. This is great. But as an adult, there are still some times when I go, yeah, let's heap some coals on their head. But more times than not, I go, I want to put those coals on their head because, again, it shows them back to Christ. How can heaping burning coals on somebody's head turn them back to Christ or to Christ at all? Because it makes them think. It makes them ponder. Who is this Jesus that you claim to follow? One of the most cutting things ever said to me was when I was in high school and uh, somebody looked at me and asked me, how, why should they become a Christian? I act just like them and they're not a Christian. That's not heaping burning coals on somebody's head. Well, that's heaping them on mine. But I want people to look at my life and to look at your life and go, I'm doing everything I can to break them down. And they're not doing anything. Who is this God that seems to change them so much from who I am? And that's the real point of heaping the burning coals on somebody's head. It's not for your revenge. If you look back the verse before, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. So heaping burning coals isn't about revenge. It's about Christ. Instead about turning people back to Christ. This is a little hard. I understand, not because I live in this type of situation, but I, I understand and recognize the fact that there is a ton of increase in things like domestic violence going on right now because we're all home. 
And perhaps your only escape from it was that you got to go to work. And now you're home all the time. I'm not here to tell you that that's okay. I'm not here to look at you and say, you know, you need to make sure you stay in that situation. But I'm here to look at you and say, show them Christ. Show them who he is. It's hard, and I know that I might get some backlash from some people. How can you tell somebody that? They need an out. Yep, they do. But let me ask you this, and this is a hard question. Is somebody's immortal soul more important? It's a hard question. It's not an easy one to answer. Well, it is. The answer is yes. But it's a hard one to say yes to. This all goes back to it. So whether you have this great, uh, you know, housing arrangement, whether you don't, you have a call on your life if you're a Christian to be Christ to the people around you, to live at peace with the people around you. I'm not here to tell you that you need to just take it. Take it like a man. No, don't do that. Get out. But show Christ anyway. Because you never know. You might have an enemy. Maybe it's a domestic abuser. Maybe it's the person at work. Maybe it's your husband or wife who's not a domestic abuser, but you've just realized that you two aren't actually compatible. Show him Christ. Show him who he is. I saw a post earlier today. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. It said, it's never been easier to go to church. We bring it to you now. You don't have to leave your house. It's never been harder to be the church than it is right now. You can come up with all the excuses in the world to not be the church. None of them matter because being the church is what matters right now. Be above it. Not be above being the church. Be above not being the church. You never know what somebody needs. And right now in this time, we have an opportunity to meet it. People are crying out for hope, so give it to them. People are crying out for good news, so give it to them. People are crying out for Christ. Give them to him. Live at peace with those around you. Heap those burning coals and show them who Jesus is so that just maybe when we walk out of this, our churches are just a little bit more full and heaven itself is just a little bit more full. Trust me, it won't run out of room. There'll always be more room. We have an opportunity, and it starts with you, and it starts with me, and it starts with showing Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for today, whatever day that we may be watching this and listening to this uh, for the podcast and such. God, it's a hard thing. We're living in these, in these times of quarantine, of a stay-at-home order. And yeah, maybe it's a whimsical thing where we're like, oh, I can't stand it, or maybe it's the hardest thing in the world, and we're going, man, I just need to get out of this. First off, God, I pray for hope for each and every one of us, that we would keep our hope focused on you, focused in you. You are our hope, nothing else. I don't have a hope in doctors. I don't have a hope in scientists. I don't have a hope in Trump. I don't have a hope in Wolf. I don't have a hope in anything but you. We call you our great physician, and we know that. We call you our king, our savior, our Lord, our friend. Secondly, Father, I pray that we would be able to show Christ to people through this time, whether it be through small acts of kindness, a phone call, a written letter, a Facebook post that makes somebody laugh, anything. 
Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to live at peace with everybody around us as so much as it is uh, up to us. God, we praise you. It's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen and amen.